We just had to jump right into this. We just finished watching Outlast. Kathy, how are you feeling? What is your immediate reaction? What? (laughs) I'm like, not confused, but I'm like, what? (laughs) It just, like, what just happened? Uh, In shock, disbelief. Should we just get into the out-of-context summary and start going on this? We have to. Let's do it. Outlast Part 4. Okay. In this episode, we find a romantic email that most likely led to an HR meeting. Father Martin is either a really good mechanic or a really bad one. And I don't think any of us will ever look at butterflies the same way ever again. Okay. Scene 1. Summary. Miles is chased as he retrieves his camera, only to find himself in another run-in with Chris Walker. We get some background on Wernicke's part in all of this, and Father Martin makes a bold move. So we walk past this cell. It's this weird gate, and we meet this guy, and he goes like, Only one way out. Only one way. And you're wondering, is he a staff? Is he a patient? Is he trying to help him? Or is he just trying to lead him the wrong direction and get killed? I'm wondering, my gut is telling me he's one of Father Martin's people because of just the only one way out, only one way. And I feel like he's sort of directing him. But at the same time, he also says, How do you know you're not a patient? Which we also heard someone else say last time. So is this just something that the patients are hearing regularly? Maybe it's part of the treatment. And that's why multiple ones are repeating it. So are these just things planted in their brain i wouldn't be surprised if it was a patient and they heard it many many times during their therapy sessions so after his run-in with chris walker miles finds a document titled billy's dreams and this is an email from some guy named kurt about a conversation with billy or william hope is his full name and kurt writes he says he's been talking to dr warnicky again for his therapy in the white place. Kurt seems to think that this is a delusion and says his dead doctor friend is filling his head with more German folklore. Dr. Warnicke told him the only thing that can kill the wall rider are vampiric butterflies vomited from a demon. And these butterflies also partake in the consumption of nipple blood. So what is up with Germany? Are you guys Okay, why does so much of your folklore contain things that drink blood from nipples? Also, is it real? Is this real folklore? I need to know now. For any of our listeners out there who knows the answer, please respond. We need to know. Yeah. I have a list of questions. (laughs) Um, So the first one is, are we sure it's delusion? Is this white place really a place that exists? Or is he just lying about it? But I have a feeling that he's not delusional. And these are my notes at, at that time. Yeah. Well, it's interesting so. because it seems like that's something that we keep seeing different sides of. Is a lot of mm-hmm. the patients are convinced that this is real. And it seems like Dr. Warnicke mm-hmm. thinks this is real. But a lot of the documents written by staff mm-hmm. members think people are delusional. In that document, they also talk about over a glass of wine. Yeah. Let's talk some more with a smiley face. You have to wonder what kind of person can do this kind of job for that extended time frame and still be okay with having a glass of wine with a coworker. Like they either have no empathy or they really are able to compartmentalize 
their feelings. Kurt, Kurt's shooting a shot. He's email flirting here. I mean, is this the great workplace romance that never was? I feel like we need a DLC or a spinoff game. Like, what? where were these two when everything went to chaos in Mount Massive? I want to think they were, like, in a supply closet, necking, and then all of a sudden, like, alarms go off. I need to know. I want to know what this story is with these two. All right, so Miles quickly finds another document titled The Spirit Breach, and it is a document translated from German from 1938, and it discusses concerns over Dr. Warnicke's morphogenic engine. The author writes, If I had not witnessed it myself, I would not believe it had happened. I believe Warnicke's method has breached the spiritual realm, something crossed from the other side. And it sounds like Warnicke created the morphogenic engine, right? This is where the wall rider came from? I don't know, because that's the other thing is that even though we kind of already saw the wall rider, I still don't believe it is real. How do you use an engine and create something from nothing to actual matter? So I, I feel like this engine doesn't even work. And then also, so this person writes, if I had not witnessed it myself, I would not believe it had happened. So is this why Father Martin is so obsessed with having a witness? Because maybe he read this document or he experienced a similar feeling of if he hadn't seen it, he wouldn't believe it. And he wants the world to believe it, so he's having Miles be his witness. Is this why he's so obsessed with that, do you think? I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case because everyone else that he can have as witnesses are all people in there that aren't mm -hmm. really going to go out to the world. And don't have a camera. There's a comment about cellular regeneration. And I'm wondering if that is why you have a lot of disfigured monsters and all those scary dudes with their dunks out. Is that why a lot of their faces are so scarred up? Because they either were mutilated and then there's some cells that were regenerated. And then you have that Frankenstein's monster kind of look to it. Or is it because... It's part of getting closer to the spiritual realm. Like you have to inflict pain on yourself first to get there. Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know if it's a one size fits all. Because in part one, we found mm -hmm. that document about Chris Walker. And he was self-mutilating, mm -hmm. removing skin from his forehead and stuff. So Father Martin sends a messenger to Miles, leading him to the theater where he sees a video Let's listen to this audio from the video before we discuss it. Uh, exit interview recorded December 27th, 1985 in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Clearance Sierra Alpha. Subject, Dr. Rudolf Wernicke, 14866. The fumes are real. Uh, there was no alteration to the footage at all? No trickery? None. In June of 1943, you recorded three instances of spontaneous bleeding. Uh, a half a dozen test subjects began to develop brain tumors? Yes. The autopsies revealed that the tumors were pure lead. It killed them? Can you explain why the results could not be reproduced in the United States? I have my theories. My homeland in those years. It's impossible to understand the things we felt. What we believed. The overwhelming fear, ecstatic rage, and English birds are insufficient. More than hope, a 
human mind in that environment is capable of extraordinary things. You're saying the experiment needed... A proximity to death. To overwhelming madness. Only a test subject who had witnessed enough horror was capable of activating the engine. Do you believe your test subjects achieved something supernatural? No. Do you think that they contacted something supernatural? Nothing is supernatural. Then what was it? You said Project Wellrider was a gateway. A gateway to what? It's like, what is going on? That's a lot of information to take in. What it sounds like, and it's hard to put this into words, but it sounds like the results were achieved in Germany because of the state of mind of people. And so I don't know if that's referring to the patients, the subjects. So do you think that's why things have been going wrong here? Because they couldn't replicate that same state of mind. And that's why these experiments are resulting in a lot of messed up people and all this crap happening. Well, at the same time, one of my first just playing the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Is it not working because it doesn't exist? And these people are also just patients who escaped and are making this whole thing up but then at the same time we saw the wall rider another thing is from watching the video i have a note just about like needing to see horror in order to almost use that as the means to get there is that why people are inflicting harm on themselves that they need to witness enough horror whether it's on someone else or on themselves is that why they're like disfigured and it's so bloody down there. I'm wondering if they're purposely doing that just to get to see the wall rider or s summon him. So that's raised an interesting point because, yes, he says only a test subject who had witnessed enough horror was capable of activating the engine. And after the, this video ends, Miles takes a note and it seems like whatever he saw in this video, he's still seeing in his brain. He says he sees like Rorschach tests. And he's been through a lot in however many hours or days he's been in this building. So do you think he has witnessed enough horror to activate the engine? Do you think he is now basically a patient? Oh my gosh, I think you're right. Well, and I think we sort of discussed this last episode and we'll probably dig into it later in this one as well. But what is the point of the engine? And I don't know if we get any closer to that when the interviewer asks another question. He says... You said Project Wallrider was a gateway. A gateway to what? And then Warnicky doesn't respond. And in the last document we found, he said, I believe Warnicky's method has breached the spiritual realm. Something crossed from the other side. So is it a gateway to, like, the spiritual realm? And is that what lets the Wallrider in? So then in that case, is the goal of the morphogenic engine to summon the Wallrider? And if so, why? It gets so confusing. So the note one, there's just one comment about how he feels or hears the buzzing. And is that the static that we're talking about? I think so. Okay. The static and the buzzing and then earlier when he was like hearing things. I think that's mm -hmm. just all the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just maybe getting worse now after seeing this video. So... Leaving the theater, Miles walks by a patient who hides in a locker and says, You have to put on the Only way. So is he dead or is he not? 
seems like every person we run into, one of them says he's dead, one of them says he's alive. Uh, he also finds another document. There is flesh-eating bacteria in the building. I actually thought that, is this a side effect or maybe some kind of reverse engineering gone wrong where they purposely introduce flesh-eating bacteria just to Ooh. see if the cell regeneration works? And maybe that it like escaped the lab or whatever and that's why it's like widespread. But maybe in order to prove that they can do cellular regeneration, they had to start with getting rid of cells and what better way that makes sense and maybe that's what makes the patients look so disfigured they had flesh eating bacteria thrown on them and then mm -hmm. cellular regeneration mm -hmm. tested on them i think that's it i think you figured it out i think so too so miles finds the key that was left for him behind the light in the theater as the patient said and then he has to walk back through the main room um there's a lot of cheekage in this part. The SDWDOs are back. Uh, still dongs out. We, we get around them. And we have to find another key. <laughs> we should have um, been keeping track of how many keys does Miles need to find in each episode. Seriously. And it's ironic how Father Martin's yep. like, Come find me, but I'm going to keep hiding. Like, we're not playing hide and seek, dude. If you want me to find you, just stay right there and I'll come find you. While we're searching for this elusive key, Miles takes another note after seeing a patient knelt in a praying stance by a static television. And he writes, the static again, a patient knelt in prayer. Maybe he bought Father Martin's line of bullshit. Maybe he hears what I hear, but more clearly. Maybe it's his way out of this place. The priest called it the gospel of sand. So I don't know if this answers your question about the static at all or makes it any more clear. It doesn't, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any notes on that note? No, I was just confused that who's controlling it all so they can all hear or what did they do to train them all to be praying to the sound of the static? So here's my understanding as of now. The end of that video that Miles saw, you saw like the Rorschach type things. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what imprints in the patient's brains. And then they start hearing things and seeing things that resemble, like, static. So then when they see something staticky, like a television, that just sort of, like, um, sparks it. Mm -hmm. Or they're drawn to it in some way. And then out of that, Father Martin built this religion and called it the Gospel of Sand. And so now they're following that. Is seeing the static, then? I think so. Okay. So Miles continues on and sees many patients silently praying in their rooms. Father Martin has amassed quite the following here. I don't know if you have any notes on this section of the game. I have a comment about like the feeding to our Lord. So on that note, they're talking about needing to pretty much sacrifice themselves, which I don't know if I'm going to assume correctly, but I'm thinking that's the wall rider that they're trying to feed. It says that it has to use their blood and it kind of explains why it's so freaking bloody in this location. <laughs> I'm assuming, but based off of what we see in just a couple minutes, I'm pretty sure Father Martin wrote this note. And it also explains why he's, I mean, other than his enjoyment of finger painting, why he's so obsessed in writing with blood. He says, write your gospel in my flesh. Father Martin is an intense man. 
throughout this area of the game, you can really tell the atmosphere has changed. We're not being chased. Everyone's calm, but it feels like right before a storm rolls in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And soon we'll see why the atmosphere has changed as we enter the chapel. Father Martin has been secured to a cross. And tell someone to light him on fire. What was your immediate reaction? <laughs> you saw it. I was just so in shock. I was like, what is going on? Why is he letting these people burn himself and tie him? And who tied him? He willingly let them burn him to death. But before his demise, he's got something to say, Kathy. As Miles enters, you can hear him saying to another follower, we will join the wall rider in just a moment. So is that what he thinks happens? Like when they die, they join the wall rider? Like, or is he thinking he'll get possessed? Because he, al he also then at some point mentions freedom from death. So does he not think he's going to die here? He probably really does believe that he needs blood to feed the wall rider. And it's probably the final step. Maybe he thinks that it's going to turn him into Adams so he can speak with the wall rider. Not really sure what his line of thought is, especially thinking that this is going to take us. Dude, you're the only one being burned right now. How is this an us situation? I guess just uh, to keep going, when Father Martin sees Miles, he says to him, you alone shall escape to tell them. This is your penultimate act of witness. He's obsessed with having a witness. And I don't know if, like, like we said earlier, it's because of when you see the wall rider, you just need someone else to believe it. Or do you think Father Martin somehow got his connections to reach out to Miles and get Miles there to get Miles to do his witness and he can go back out and report it? So let's talk about why do we think he wants a witness? Is it to prove the existence of the wall rider? Is it to show the outside world what's going on in this asylum? I feel like just because of the actions Father Martin has done to other people, he wants Miles there to help spread the word of the religion, not because he wants to spread the word of people being hurt here. So that is interesting because, I mean, you can kind of tell he's, I, I think, referencing or pulling in some, like, Catholic influence into his fake religion. Um, and I think that there is a witness in the biblical apocalypse. So that might also be why he is obsessed with it. But then he also displayed the key that Miles has been looking for. So this pretty much confirms that he has been giving Miles the runaround. He's just been yanking his chain, placing keys, probably locking doors so he has to go certain directions. He made him go here to witness this. He stopped him from escaping just so that he would film this moment. I feel like once you get to know him, though, this is normal behavior. Although he does say that he fixed the elevator, so... Did he? Does that slightly redeem him a little bit? <laughs> I don't think it's him. I think it's his buddies. They're his, his SDWDOs. But Miles does take a note after witnessing Father Martin's death. Did you have anything that you want to comment on that note? Yeah, he was willing to burn himself. Miles and I had the same reaction, like, what the Yeah, pretty much. But I think this brings us to a so long for Father Martin. Mm-hmm. The guy I never trusted. The doughy priest, as Miles calls him. 
There's a reason why I didn't really trust him. I don't think he really redeems himself. If he wanted to redeem himself, he would apologize to Miles and say, let me walk you out and make sure he escapes. <laughs> and instead of just going like, I fixed the elevator. The rest is up to you. Well, he also, like, considering how the SDWDOs, the two of them who are standing by the door, opens the door and doesn't chase Miles, I feel like, well, we can thank Father Martin for not telling these people to kill him or anything. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the game, they said, I think that they wanted to eat his tongue and liver. So I guess they don't want to do mm. that anymore. So that's progress. But it seems like he could have had them escort Miles out of the building. Mm-hmm. So you're right about that. I will say, Father Martin is nothing if not committed. And even though he was stringing Miles along, he at least wasn't trying to kill him. Which mm-hmm. we can't say the same for a lot of characters in this it's game. True. Although, based on a note Miles took, it does seem like he did kill somebody. I mean, overall, I think there's a lot worse running around in the asylum. And I do think a lot of the the negative things he did were a result of mistreatment and or the effects of the morphogenic engine. So for me, I felt like I had to make a new category I think it him. is neutral. That's one thing is that you can't judge him as a person without going through everything. Like, that's unfair. I landed on, I think he's a mother... It's just a different category. He's a misunderstood mother. My leaning similar thoughts, but it's a bit off. I feel like he's in the neutral because this man has, whether or not he did all that crazy stuff to Miles, he went through a lot himself. He's not in the right mind frame to really mm-hmm. be judged like this. We can't. We have to use the new category for him. It's not fair to judge them when they aren't sane to begin with. So I think mm-hmm. he's in the neutral. I don't even think he's... I just feel like he's unjudgeable in a way. Yeah, it's like his his actions are mother category. Yeah, that's true. But the reasoning behind them is is not. So long, Father Martin. Kathy didn't like you very much. I thought you were nope. all right. I just couldn't trust you. <laughs> After leaving the chapel, Miles is chased yet again by Chris Walker, but eventually makes it to the elevator. When the elevator goes down farther than expected, Miles finds himself discovering the answers to many of our questions. Okay, first question. Father Martin said that he fixed the elevator. So do you think he's just really bad at fixing elevators? Or is he really good and he rigged it to go down all the way to the lab so that Miles would witness what's down there? Considering where we are at this point in time, I'm going to say that he didn't know there was that basement and he just set the elevator to go down and not realizing down means different when you have more than one floor. I think he only thought there's only going to be <laughs> ground level and it was going to send you there. So you think he's just a really bad mechanic? I don't think he's a bad mechanic. I think he just didn't know all the facts. Yeah, the elevator goes down kind of far and it opens to a pretty stark contrast environmentally speaking to what we've seen so far it's very clean it's very white and there's a symbol above the door that we've seen a few times especially written in blood but since we've seen this symbol painted in blood can we assume father martin painted it and if so has he been down here to witness the symbol to see this symbol or do you think the wall rider showed him or warnicky showed him in dreams or something I think it's also other patients who are down there 
they all paint that like Father Martin probably taught a painting class there where you just like bite your own finger and use your paint or blood as your paint and stuff. And then after entering the lobby for the Project Wallrider lab, I guess, Miles makes a note. So pretty much this note is Miles just telling people that if you find my body, just know it's Murkoff's fault. I'm not crazy. I know that's what crazy people say, but I'm not crazy. Trust me. I have a camera and there's evidence. So while exploring the lab, Miles comes across yet another document titled Variant Postmortem. So the first thing I want to note is at the very start of the game, Miles comes across that soldier slash security guard. He's basically impaled in the library. And he says that the variants got out. So are the variants the patients then? Is that confirmed here? What do you think? I feel like the way the game is going, it has to be. I can't see them explaining this in any other situation. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this document is an autopsy report for a Wallrider patient. They're also mentioning human growth hormones. And this also explains why... Some of the SDWDOs and Chris Walker are just massive in size. Is probably because... (laughs) (laughs) Kathy. What? You can't talk about the scary dudes with dongs out and then say they're massive in size without (laughs) me laughing. (laughs) You can't do that to me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) If only they had... I don't know if Etsy has, like, plushies of SDW. Oh, God. I might send you one. This has got way too inappropriate. <laughs> you gotta cut this out. I don't know if I can... I don't know what you're talking about. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so you have human growth hormones, and this is why Chris Walker is so big in size. <laughs> what? What now? <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm gonna spit out my tea. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. It just might take me a minute. <laughs> okay, go for it. I'm gonna speak back. In that report, they're talking about <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> I think you should be the one who's talking about this, not me. At this point, <laughs> you're, you need to be the one who talks about um <laughs> what is it? B-D-E. <laughs> what is that? Big dick energy. Oh, no. <laughs> I figured it out right after you. Yeah. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> you're the one who's immature about this. Tell me it's not funny. I think your reaction is more funny. The way you almost spit out your tea <laughs> when I'm telling you about massive size and dongs out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm ready. Okay. I, think, I think I'm good now. Okay. So in this document, they're talking about human growth hormones. And this explains why Chris Watkins is so big. And so- <laughs> Chris Watkins. What's new? Walker. Walker. <laughs> You're just thinking of Christopher Walken? Christopher. Oh, brother. <laughs> okay, let's see. Gotta do that again. You're like crying. Attempt number seven. Here we go. This is like 
when in grade school we were trying to give a presentation through sitting in front of me and you would make me laugh in front of the entire class but no one could see you did i do that to you well we did it to each other (laughs) oh okay then it was deserved (laughs) (laughs) anyways note six so in this document they also are mentioning how there's human growth hormones and this explains why chris walker is pretty large in size and same with (laughs) scwtos I'm just going to have to mute you, but I'm laughing too. <laughs> I don't know if it's like easier if I like hide myself or if that's funnier or if I just need to keep a straight face. Like, how do I help you? <laughs> I don't want to have to edit this, so now okay. I'm ready. Okay, take 10. So in note 6, they're talking about human growth hormones. And this explains why Chris Walker is massive in size. And same with all the SDWDOs, why they're bigger than others. They do have really thick necks. <laughs> We're like silent laughing. <laughs> I really wanted okay. to pause before I said next, but I couldn't without laughing. <laughs> Sorry, I, ha- I had to. Keep going. Is that, I mean, were you going to say anything else or did you just want my response? Uh, no. <laughs> just wanting your response. I mean, yeah, are they using that? Because it sounds like they're trying to create a, well, they say sentient independent swarm. So are the hormones just part of that equation in creating the swarm? I think that the reason why they wanted those growth hormones was probably to create an army that they can also use sleepwalking tricks to control them Mm -hmm. so i think it goes with an almost like war weapons but this person is clearly struggling with the morality of this project and they call it the far-flung theories of a senile nazi so that's confirmed he was a nazi and it seems like this isn't necessarily 100 percent rooted in science it seems like there is some aspect that's probably i mean from what we've read from the spiritual side that makes this project work (laughs) Anything else on that document? No. (laughs) Wow, that took forever. Okay. I don't know if we need to make note of him seeing the morphogenic engine. You used to have been able to solve that, but you don't remember... What is it? Calculus? Mm Mm-hmm. Derivatives. You don't remember it all anymore. Um, So if anyone can solve that equation, hit us up. And show your work, please. (laughs) In two different ways for full credit. We need proof. This is why I never made it to calculus. (laughs) It's stupid. (laughs) So Miles continues to explore this lab and is confronted by the wall rider. And as he runs away from it, he comes face to face with Chris Walker, who the wall rider just absolutely decimates. It's kind of a bit of a jump scare for me. I don't know why. It was kind of scary. Thank goodness I had Jake the alpaca. Once again, saves the day. He made his salary today. Mm -hmm. He earned his paycheck. Why do you think that the wall rider killed Chris Walker and then just left and didn't kill Miles? I think I know why, but it's going to spoil the ending. Okay, well, we'll save it then. So long, Chris Walker. This is another hard one. I mean, he's clearly been altered by the morphogenic engine treatment, but he has also ripped a fair number of heads off of people's bodies. That does not bode well for his judgment in this category. But also, after seeing Chris Walker die, Miles does take a note, and he says, 
You've escaped one hell, Chris Walker. God help me, but I somehow hope you didn't find another. That's the thing, you know? These patients are... They're warped. They're not necessarily bad people, and I think Miles is understanding that. And even though he is terrified of this person who's been trying to tear him in two, he wants him to, like, be at peace. And he even makes another note earlier in the game saying that maybe Chris Walker is trying to control this situation. And so I think this is another case of just someone being just warped and misunderstood. For me, Chris Walker is, like, the opposite of Father Martin. Instead of a misunderstood mother he's a misunderstood mother respecter. I feel like that's a good way of putting it. It's not like he's a neutral mother where I put Father Martin at. He kind of has some malicious intent, although he also really isn't in control of his body. So I feel like, considering the circumstances, he could have done better, but he also could have done a whole lot worse. Yeah. So in terms, he's a bit more on just like further away from being the neutral mother territory, but not Mm -hmm. a true mother. Yeah, I agree. He's been a constant source of terror for me playing this game. (laughs) He's a good villain. Terrifying to hear him breathing behind you. Even though he's, I think, killed more people, I think he has better intentions than Father Martin. But Father Martin was just warped in a cult mindset, though. Yeah. So, like... Who knows? If that lady had given him his finger paint, maybe none of this would have happened. Right? Right? She's the real villain. (laughs) In a way, I feel like they should be both lumped into the same category. Just because of all the things they've been through. I think Miles is right. I think he was trying to contain the situation. That makes me think Mother Respecter. I'll take it. I agree. Well, we then get a very big question answered. We stumble upon a certain Dr. Warnicky, who is alive and in a wheelchair, sealed behind a special door. This guy's asking for a lot. Who does he think he is giving orders to Miles? If you wanted to do it, you'd do it yourself. Well, it's interesting because, well, first of all, he says that he's older than Sin. And that he is somehow alive because of Billy. And it sounds like Billy considers him, like, a father. And he loves him. So you would think, yeah, so you would think that Warnicky could leave this room and go kill him. Because, I mean, it seems like Billy is controlling things. Is is he controlling the wall rider? Or is the wall rider just feeding off of him somehow? If he is controlling the wall rider, you'd think that he would not let it kill Dr. Warnicky. So I think that's our big question, is why can't Dr. Warnicky do anything? But then, yeah, Dr. Warnicky asks Miles to kill Billy, and says it's the only way to undo what he's done. So on his way to locate Billy, Miles comes across another document, and it's a memo from Dr. Warnicky warning workers not to worship the swarm. Did we see what happens if you do worship the swarm with Father Martin? Is that what happened to him? But do we even know what the swarm is? Nope. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, is it the static? Is it the wall rider? Is do it- you think the swarm is a swarm of butterflies? Those, like, vampire butterflies they're talking about that could destroy everything? Well, I don't know, because isn't that how you kill the wall rider? I think the main question is just, what is the swarm? Um. So, we get to the main lab, and Billy's just floating in an orb watching TV. 
But also at the lab, you see like multiple pods. Why are there multiple pods? Is it because they want multiple billies? After Miles starts the process of shutting off Billy's life support, the wall rider chases him to another room where he finds the next document. Permission to proceed. Did they kill Billy's mom? It says that Billy is unaware of his mother's death from guided cardiac arrest. They guided her, probably her heart, to beat versus not beat. And so I think they guided it to not beating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to me it sounds like they're probably responsible, especially because I think she was trying to sue them or something. But Warnicky says in this note that Billy has enormous potential. So it sounds like maybe they killed her mom to persuade or to be able to have nothing preventing Billy from accepting this treatment. Witnessing horror. Maybe they did something to Billy's mom and made him watch it so he would have that amount of horror that he's Mm. witnessed in order to be able to run the motor. Yeah, that's a good point because we know that they have to have witnessed extreme horror. So then the wall rider catches up to Miles and attacks him, but again, doesn't kill him. So each time Miles is turning off either the power source or following the instructions, you hear screams going and you're wondering whose screams are those? Is it just Billy? Or do you think it's a collective what? Is it the swarm? Oh. Because it seems too loud to be Billy because he's far away behind a glass tube in water. I That's was thinking... That's going to muffle noise significantly. I was actually thinking it was everyone who was praying upstairs. Interesting. I mean, because the action of uh, turning off a portion of the life support makes me think it's affecting Billy. But it sounds like Billy is sort of the catalyst or even like the battery for the wall rider and whatever's happening. So do you think it's the wall rider screaming? Is everyone connected to the wall rider? And is that what the swarm is? I think so. I mean, I just don't know what the swarm <laughs> is, so it's really hard for me to say. Yeah, it is hard to say, but it seems like for sure it has to do with Billy because it's his life support that's being shut off. Speaking of, Miles completes the process of turning off Billy's life support and is attacked again by the wall rider and this time it seems pretty clear that the wall rider has entered him possessed him uh i mean is that what you saw i didn't see it i only saw that the wall rider just didn't completely rip mouse apart unlike everyone else so are you even sure the wall rider is dead i think miles thinks it is it seems like it. I mean, he says that he broke the connection between Billy and the Wall Rider. I think he says it's over and that he's free. But he's struggling a lot to walk towards the exit, and he is met by Dr. Warnicky and a bunch of armed guards. He is shot many times, like a bit overkill. But as Miles falls, you can hear Dr. Warnicky say, God in Himmel, you have becomes a host. And then the screen fades to black and we hear what we can assume is the wall rider killing all the guards.
So is the wall rider possessing Miles? Is this so long to Miles? Like, what do you think is happening here? I don't think it's so long. Well, so long to Miles in human form. I was just <laughs> in so much shock when I saw that. Like, you went through everything only to die in the end. I have, like, half a page of, like, post-Miles dying thoughts. But you should go and let me gather, gather my wits. I mean, my only not really is just, I love this ending. I think it's I fantastic. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it leaves you with, like, enough information to think you know what happened, but also enough questions to keep you wondering. <laughs> no, I don't like it. Which is where the DLC will come in. Yeah, I know you hate it. I know. <laughs> you hate a lot of endings that I like. I'm learning that very quickly. Because I'm the type who wants all the loose ends tied happily ever after, and you're like, let's kill them off. You have to have an impactful ending. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> you could have impactful endings without freaking killing the protagonist. Is he dead, though? Human Miles died, but he's a host. He, The way... It's screeching everything. It makes it sound like he is the new wall rider. So Miles is dead, but his body's being controlled by the wall rider. Is that what we're thinking? No, I think he is the like the black stuff when the wall rider is getting you. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Same question though. <laughs> <laughs> is Miles like? Is it just his body? Is Miles's soul existence is that over, and the wall rider's just using his body? Or does the wall rider need a living human? Because we had to kill Billy to break the connection. So does the wall rider need a living host for some reason? And if so, if it's possessing him, whatever you want to call it, can it protect him from death? That's the thing, though. If he needs a living host, why isn't Miles locked up like Billy floating in that goo? Why does Billy need to be in that situation in order to be the host? But now, Miles doesn't need to be in that same situation. I wonder, and this might actually answer the question of why did he not kill Miles when he killed Chris Walker? He knew he was and the why host. why did he not kill Miles when he attacked him? He knew he had experienced enough horror to be a walking host. So maybe Billy was didn't experience enough horror to be like, sentient and be the host so he had to be in that fishbowl but maybe Miles's experience through all of this maybe that's enough horror for him to be a strong enough host for the wall rider to to feed off of while he is still sentient is that what you were thinking what was your theory my theory was that the wall rider already knew and recognized Miles as his new host and that's why he never kills Miles. And every time we're fighting, I think he's just really trying to test how strong he is. If he is a potential new host. Mm -hmm. Although, I keep going back and forth about what does being a host mean? Host as in that you're just going to feed off of his supply and then you guys are just like partners in crime? Or is it that he, the wall rider, takes possession of Miles' body and they continue to act on its own? Or is it that Miles, human form, dies, but then his mind, his soul, is now in the wall rider. Yeah, and that's where I'm confused, because the way that when the wall rider attacks Miles after killing Billy, he, like, holds him, and then it looks like he, like, fuses into him. So it seems like what you would think of, like, as a possession. 
But Billy was the host before then, and the wall rider was just free floating in his demon form. So what's the difference? What is the host? Is it a mental thing? Is it a spiritual thing? Is it a physical thing? Or does that change based on the, the spectrum of the amount of fear that you've experienced? Is Miles just strong enough to to be like the, the ultimate host? So final thoughts on this is I am just really upset and angry that Miles went through all that lost fingers, got all that evidence only for it to just stay there. Miles, why did you even listen to, to Renegade? Like, you know he's not a good guy. After everything he went through, this is the outcome. He's now stuck there for the rest of his life or whatever life he has. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just the, uh, like the necessary sacrifice to sort of break the curse, if you will. Did he free anyone or did he make it worse? Probably made it worse. Did you like it, though? Did you like the game, Kathy? <laughs> I think it's a good way to get me used to horror games. But the ending just made me so upset that it took, <laughs> like, it shouldn't have taken him to do so much only for it to end like this. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not proportional. You're going to hate the second game. Oh, gosh. Oh, why are you doing this to me? I no, so you'll, you'll like it. Once we start talking about it, you'll like it. Do you have any final thoughts? I don't. I am really excited to keep playing this franchise with you. I know you're angry, but I think yes. it's because you're invested. So mm -hmm. I like to see that. Let's close it out. Perfect time. It's close to midnight. We're closing All right. it out. Well, we will be summarizing Outlast. It'll probably be a shorter episode. Did we get anything right? Did we get anything wrong? Did we miss anything? Let us know. Email us. Message us on Instagram. That's it. I think you should count us off. Okay. Voice recorder on one, three, two, one.